0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Hey, Charmichael Terminal fans, welcome to the show here on another Sunday afternoon. Sun Guy with you as usual. Happy Father's Day to all the people celebrating that particular holiday today. We also want to send out best wishes to our co-host JB Moonshine, who suffered an injury and will not be on today as planned. Hopefully he heals up well and is back with us soon. If you're looking for some pro wrestling today... You have IWA Mid-South in Indianapolis, Indiana, WWCW in Sparks, Nevada, featuring some of our very own Pacific Northwest wrestlers out of Northwest Pro, and also today you have Pro Wrestling King in Bourbon, Indiana. Now, to you while we wait for our guest, let's see... Yeah, looks like our Mm -hmm. guest might be having technical difficulties. so bear with us for just a moment, folks. QT, do you have anything to add?
2: Well, I was, uh, what happened to JB Moonshine?
1: Did he have a knee injury? An eye injury, as a matter of fact. Uh There seems to be
2: quite Quite a few eye injuries going around. Uh Uh-oh. I mean, yeah. there also could have been some injuries at Blue America to the eyes last night with all the action we saw, including Paul Servius in his match with Jackson Bourne. There could have easily been an eye injury there.
1: Yes. There could have been, but I don't think there's anything overly severe, unlike poor J.B. Oh boy. Okay. Well, I hey, I was
2: amazed at Paul Preston's ring bell ringing abilities. Did you hear him uh ring the bell for the main event? Yes, with the uh Woo America title match. I mean I think Paul Preston and the ding 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 kid could be a good tag team in my in my
1: uh
2: estimation.
1: Yes. Well, that was speculated upon by Randy Zellers just Recently, when we had the ding, ding, ding kid on this very program. But, QT, our guest has joined us. I want to bring All him right. on right away. Uh, I am very, very excited to have today's guest with us. Long-time fans will unquestionably remember him from not only wrestling in World Class Championship Wrestling, but Lucha Libre fans will remember him for CMLL. Solomon Grundy, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Welcome to Turnbuckle Turmoil.
0: Hey, thank you very much, man. How are you all doing today? Happy Father's Day. We're doing day,
1: very, very well. Excited to have you. And since today is the first time you're with us on this show, we'll start you out with our traditional first-timer question. How did you get into the business of professional wrestling?
0: Um, well... Um... I used to go to the uh, Fair Park Coliseum in Lubbock, Texas, I think when I was three years old. And, uh, you know, when Dory Funk Sr. was working, uh, Ricky Romero, Duke Karamuka, uh, Harley Race, Terry Funk, uh, you know, all those guys. uh, And I was hooked, man. So I've wanted to do it all my life, and that's all I ever wanted to do. And uh, so uh, it took me 26 years to get it done, but <laughs> I finally got to train and uh, here in San Antonio and with Tom Jones. Uh, and uh, so so it was a, a good experience, and I got to go to Dallas with Devon Air. Like I said, a lot of
1: fans will remember you from your World Class run. Uh, This was when they were on ESPN and sort of the heyday of World Class. Right. Uh, When you were with World Class actively, was being on ESPN something that was a big deal to you personally, and did it seem like a big deal to a lot of the other wrestlers, or was it just another day at the office for you?
0: Well, it was. Uh, I mean, we were uh, actually, you know, we were just couldn't. Uh, it, it was great, you know, because it, it of the audience that uh, picked picked up ESPN Classics and uh, ES, ESPN in general, and it did help expand the uh, territory. But, um, I think, uh, at the time Eric Embry was booking and then, uh, Lawler and Jarrett came in and bought, bought, uh, bought out world class. So then I got to go to Tennessee and, uh, you know, a tag team with Scott Steiner there. We became, our uh, South, Southeast, uh, tag team champions there. When, when Scotty was just, uh, you know, probably like 220 pounds. Now, of course,
1: in the Dallas territory, the Von Ericks ruled their father was the owner of the promotion and all of his sons uh, had really good runs for the most part. Sometimes other wrestlers seem to be secondary to the Von Eriks, but when you're wrestling in a promotion that was hot like world class was at the time, did you enjoy mm. having the Von Ericks around to lift things up as far as the interest in the crowd, or was it a situation where sometimes you wish some of the other wrestlers was given a chance to get the spotlight in Dallas?
0: Well, I I think um, <clears throat> that that territory was uh so hot uh because you had you had uh, the freebirds you had ice man uh the von ericks i mean if you if you even you know like like uh, the feud between the freebirds and the von ericks was so hot man that uh you know my thing is I don't care who's on top. Everybody's going to make money. So that's, you know, that's that's the bottom line for me, you know. Uh, I mean, you even had the young undertaker there, uh, Sid Vicious. Uh, But we were all uh, getting to work. You had the Samoan SWAT team. Uh, We were all getting to work because of Devon Eric. So, I mean, to me, it don't it don't matter who's on top if everybody's making money, you know. They they were so popular. Uh, one night, like Terry called Denton County and told him he was late to a show, and they gave my escort all the way to Dallas with life. That's how over they were.
1: <laughs> that is definitely a sign that you're over when you get the. Please escort to the building.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because Denton to Dallas is a you know, I mean that's a good forty five minutes. Yeah, that's and
1: definitely a so, sign you have some influence.
0: Yeah. So uh but it it was great there, man. I, I'm glad I got the experience uh to work in front of a crowd. You know, the building is I mean, it looks, I don't know if you've ever seen the sportatorium before they tore it down, but it was more like a barn. And, but the atmosphere, the atmosphere there was so great. That's what made that place great, man. Just had a, a tremendous atmosphere there. I'm glad
1: you brought up the sportatorium, uh, A lot of fans of world-class and even a lot of fans of wrestling in general would always hear about the Sportatorium, and they referred to it on television as the world-famous Sportatorium. And that place was almost as mystical as the Von Erichs and the Freebirds and all of the world-class wrestlers. The building itself I don't want to say it had a following, yes. but it had definitely people that knew of the Sportatorium and what it meant. Uh, we've heard mm-hmm. interviews from people over the last several years that talked about how brutal the building actually was. In reality, it was extremely <laughs> okay. hot in the summer, extremely cold in the winter. Uh, it wasn't sanitary of buildings, but it yeah. seems like uh, – it almost seems to me like people either really loved that building or really hated the building. There didn't seem to be much middle ground when you had to take a booking at the sportatorium, where did you stand on the actual physical building itself
0: um, well on the side of the building, there's a back door, and everybody goes in there and the and the dressing rooms are or as soon as you walk in, they're off to the left because we go in that door, you know, and the dressing rooms are back in that area. And then as soon as you come out, you've got the concessions. But, <clears throat> yeah, that building, to me, uh and I've talked to other guys, you know, they say they should have made that a historical site as much as much fame as it brought to uh, Dallas. It it should have been a historical site. Now, I heard rumors, and I don't know, but uh, the man that owned that building never charged the Von Eris one dime to work there, to rent that building. Just because, as long as they were on the card, so nobody had to pay rent. That's, a, that's, that's amazing. That's yeah, I was like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know how true that is, but that's that's what I heard.
1: If that's accurate, that is definitely amazing, considering. All the money was going into the sportatorium at the time,
0: in the heyday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't know if it's true, but if it is, man, that, you know, that guy missed a payday. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> oh my god! You know, I mean, you had every, just about. I mean, every. Um, let's just say in the South, uh, come through there. You know, you had Bundy, Undertaker, uh, Mick Foley, uh, Guerrero, Flair, uh, you know, just about anybody that went to New York. Steve Austin was training when I was there, Uh, you know, That came through the sportatorium, man. So, I mean, that that place is iconic.
1: Absolutely. Now, in addition to world class, you were very well known in Mexico. You spent a lot of time in Mexico wrestling for uh, CMLL and other organizations down there. What attracted you to the world of
0: Lucha Libre? Uh, well, what happened, uh, I had a friend that lived in Guadalajara, and he said, hey, I know the cleaning guy for the promoter in Guadalajara. Why not you make me a tape, and I'll take it down. I'm not doing nothing here you know i wasn't getting booked or anything uh i, w- I wasn't really going anywhere uh here uh so <clears throat> he took my tape to uh the promoter in Guadalajara and that that actually arena mexico owns uh the arenas in Guadalajara and Acapulco and uh, different places and uh, so he sent he sent the uh, tape to Paco Alonso which was in Mexico City and they give me a date of uh, to come in in March but and this guy came uh, came back and you know he's getting ready to go and he says well you know you have to be in Mexico City or you have to be in Guadalajara uh, March the 2nd. I'm like, you know, it's like the 20th, 28th, you know. So uh, I went down there, and it was supposed to be just, like, seasonal, like you're March, April, May, June, July, and August, and then come home. But I ended up staying because uh, they wanted me to. So, you know, I just I just didn't leave. You know, I never I never uh, well I went to Germany and Holland and France, but uh, you know, mainly I I stayed there in Mexico because you know everybody said don't go, don't go. But you know, sometimes you have to <clears throat> you have to leave home to get somewhere. You know, and. So that's that's what I did, man. Uh, just went for it, you know. And uh I had a good run there. So the guys the guys in the state would actually say, Oh, the Mexico of Hulk Hogan, you know, Hulk Hogan the, the the like you were the star of you were the Hulk Hogan of Mexico. I'm like, Yeah, what <laughs> But it was great down there, man. I really enjoyed it.
1: Now, one of the places that became sort of a controversial area to work uh, when you were actively wrestling was Puerto Rico. Obviously, in the late 80s, that is where uh, Bruiser Brody lost his life, and a lot of people took – Issue with going back to Puerto Rico A lot of people Did eventually go back and work there Many many years After the fact Where did you personally stand When it came to Working in Puerto Rico after that happened
0: Um, Well uh, I just came back from South Africa And uh, I Abdul the butcher is the one that got me booked there, but I mean, it's kind of um, they they didn't want to help you, you know, like because I was, you know, uh, when I got there, you know, you couldn't get a you couldn't get a ride to the town. Like for instance, Carlos is talking to me, and the he told the referee hey, you got to pick this guy, tells him in Spanish. Of course, the guy don't know I know Spanish, which is hilarious, right? So Carlos tells the guy in Spanish, I want you to go pick up me and somebody else. We're new there, right? And the the guy tells him back in Spanish, I don't know why I have to go always pick up these white guys. You know, they never want to pay for gas and whatever, you know. So I tell the I told the guy in Spanish, I don't have any problems paying you gas. And Carlos just started laughing because the guy, you know, another white guy that don't know Spanish. But I just came, <laughs> I just came from Mexico, man. I I had to learn Spanish the hard way, you know. So the guy was like. Oh my God, what his eyes got big and his mouth dropped to the floor. You know, I was like, yeah, okay, dude. So, but it was very hard to get around. There was, it was just, you know, uh, I didn't, I didn't enjoy Puerto Rico at all. You know, the atmosphere was kind of um, funky. Uh, I worked till I was. Dale, uh Sierra which was he's great, that guy can work, uh and uh but but the atmosphere for um uh, Americans just I didn't enjoy it at all, man. Uh, it's the walk, you know. And I was there with the Samoans, uh Coqu- well, Okazuna uh samu fatu and uh tonga kid and uh we we did get kicked out of a chinese buffet there though <laughs> 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 you imagine us imagine. walking in the door okazuna rakishi me and tonga and uh samu me Oh, well, Okazuna's six six hundred, I'm five, and those guys three forty, three fifty. You know, they... <laughs> You finish here, you finish, no more food, no more food.
1: <laughs> I can imagine for That's... sure some nervous buffet yeah. owners. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, South Africa, we had a guest a couple of months ago named the Giant Warrior who wrestled quite a bit in South Africa, and we also had Lance Von Erich's book writer on, and he wrote a lot about Lance's time in South Africa. They both expressed how the fans there could be very dangerous. Uh, They had knives pulled out from fans, and Uh, a couple of scary incidents. When you were in South Africa, were the fans a lot more dangerous in your opinion than what you were accustomed to in the United States or Mexico, or was it about the same?
0: No, uh, I was actually working with uh, Superman, Tony Atlas, and uh, people just started getting in the ring, man. The Indians, you know, the... From India, there's a lot of Indians there, and we were at the tennis courts in Durban, South Africa, and people just started uh, going in. We just started having to hit people that were coming in the ring. I didn't know we, if we were going to get back to the dressing room. I never seen anything like it in my life. Uh, but they call. They had to call their like I guess their the police. And, well, they just turned the dog's loose on them to get them out of the ring. Yeah, that's that's how – yeah, I was there with Lance. Yeah, I was there when Lance uh, Von Eric was there. And uh, Giant Warrior, is that uh, the guy from Amarillo? Yes. Yeah, I know him. Wow, well, how's he doing? He's doing fairly well. That's great, man. Uh, actually, uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I think I don't know if he went in for Sammy Cohen, um, but we went. Um, I went with Dusty Wolf, and uh, <clears throat> but we had trouble. What they were doing was, they would uh, book a show, it would be sold out and then they would cancel the show and not give the money back. And then the promoters like changed the changed our tickets so we couldn't like leave. So it was it was a pretty messed up deal there in South Africa now. And I roomed with Atlas so that was That was a uh, adventure in itself, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I I wouldn't. You know, if you if anybody ever has to go to South Africa, get your half your money up front and and an open ticket, man, so you can leave. That's that's now. What did happen in uh, uh, Johannesburg? Um uh, <clears throat> Tony worked against uh Lance. And this was right after the apartheid. And I, nothing but, you know, white South Africans there cheering for Tony, man. It was like I'm like, wow, I can't believe that. Uh you know, it was it was so loud in there uh when he was working against Lance. They were just screaming Tony, Tony, Tony. It it was it was pretty nice, man. It was uh now we we didn't have any problems in Johannesburg. Uh, but you know, the other places we had to work for the Indian promoters, man, it it was it was uh a trip, man. It just was miserable. The whole time. So, but other than that, you know, it it was okay. Now, in
1: more recent times, I know that you have opened up a wrestling school and you were training the next generation of professional wrestlers. What led to your decision to? opening up your own
0: training school? Uh, well, I just, I, I, um, you know, these kids are not, I mean, everybody, uh, you know, works, tries to work six months in the business and then they, you know, they want to be a promoter and a trainer. And, man, there's more to it than that. And these kids are not being trained right. So uh, I just, you know, thought it needs to go back to old school, you know, learning how to work. You can't do 500 high spots a night, man. It doesn't work. These guys, some of them can't even, you know, think on – like when I went to Mexico, man, you had to think on your feet. I mean, for one, you don't know the language, and anything can happen. And so – these guys aren't taught to think on their feet or tell a story. You know, they're just out there doing 47 backflips. And that – so uh, I wanted to try and get some guys and uh, train them, you know, old school and uh, see how that goes, you know. But then the pandemic hit, and so that kind of has is put on hold for a little bit. Uh, when you uh, worked, uh, work. go ahead. Oh, I was just going to
1: ask, when you uh, started training, did you get the sense that a lot of the people coming into the school was expecting to be shown, like, all the flips and the dies and that type of thing? Or did you get more of the students that wanted to learn how to correctly wrestle before they... Built into doing all the acrobatics.
0: Well, so they they come in with the mindset of the uh, doing, you know, all the the some of the lucha stuff and the flips and all that stuff. But you know, like I told them, you gotta you gotta learn to, to crawl before you can walk, man. And you're gonna learn you know, how to switch out an arm bar. You're going to learn an arm bar, a headlock, a tackle. You know, there's more of this than flipping and diving, you know. You you have to learn how to fall. You have to learn how to roll, Uh, you know. But they just, some of them come in with an attitude, man, and you just got to straighten them out right away or just get rid of them. You know, it's one of the two. You know, that, that's just how – the business don't need more more uh, head cases, man. <laughs> Agreed. There's enough of that going around. So. <clears throat> well, at this time,
1: yeah. my co-host QT Vokes is standing by, and I know that QT has questions for you also, so I'm going to pass things over to him for a okay. bit. All right. Well, thank you, Sign Guy. Hello, Solomon.
0: How you doing, sir?
2: Oh, I'm doing pretty well. Um, Solomon, what would the impact, uh, say, if uh, you could time travel and several of, of, of the wrestlers today could travel back to 1988 to where you were wrestling, but they had in their possession cell phones. Would the cell phones, uh, do you believe, uh The use of cell phones cut into today 's wrestler trainings and affect them if they could time travel back to nineteen
0: eighty eight well <clears throat> well, I often think about you know uh if I would have had uh Facebook and instagram and and ninety and you know could sell. I mean, you can sell your all your stuff on there, uh, and it, it's much easy. You know that's how they do bookings now. So I mean, it's you know we had the old school. Uh, you know, you got to send your photos in and tapes and all that. Now, you know anybody can you can film somebody right right there and send that stuff to a promoter through email. So it's I mean. That would have been great You know Um, And You can find out uh, You know Through messaging In 10 seconds Hey this guy says You used him on a show How was he or whatever You know Instead of picking up the phone And waiting for them to call you back Or answer the machine or whatever it, it would have it would have been uh, great, man. I, I I often think about that. Wow. Okay. All right. Very good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Solomon,
2: what is your earliest memory of a wrestler using entrance music? Where were you at the time when you first <clears throat> heard heard a wrestler using uh, pop music as entrance music? <clears throat>
0: First time, oh wow! Uh, I guess that would be, uh, I guess that would be in probably like um, eighty four eighty with with Carrie. I I, I remember uh, Carrie having you know da, 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 that theme music man a warrior you know that that's my vivid memory of of uh of that flashback yeah i mean okay. when you heard that music when you heard that music or or the freebirds music you know you know i was fixing to get nasty man <laughs> <laughs> oh okay
1: yeah
2: well mm-hmm. Did you ever have a chance to meet Cindy Cindy Lopner?
0: No, I never. I never got to meet uh, Cindy Lopper. No. All right. No, I, I sure didn't.
2: Now, in uh, theory, say if Sidney Lopner was with you at, uh, at that time when you got kicked out of the Chinese buffet, would they have kicked all the men out and said you could stay, Cindy Lopner? Do you believe that would have happened?
0: No, I, I think they all they would have they they actually no, I think she would have had to go to. <laughs> oh, okay. That, that guy was just hysterical, man. Wow. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Solomon. I saw your YouTube video, WCCW 1988, Al Perez versus Solomon Grundy. Now, Uh, it's long been proven on the Turnbuckle Turmoil show that I'm somewhat of a video analysis person. I can guess a wrestler's height and weight, usually within an inch of of his true height and 20 pounds of his weight, the announcer uh-huh. said that you weighed, the, the announcer, 465 pounds. Well, I took a look at your triceps as you waved your arms to the cheering crowd, plus your mm-hmm. shoulder size and your neck, and I say you weighed 405 pounds or 60 pounds less, less than the announcer said you were, keeping in mind that this would have been the weight. Of 1972 Olympic super heavyweight United States wrestler Chris Taylor Am I right?
0: Uh, you're pretty wrong oh. I was Axe ax- and you're way off Actually Both oh, of y'all are wrong I I weigh- actually weighed 480 And, and I was oh.
2: 5'11 Oh okay Wow, I, I was way I, up. actually
0: my my heaviest was uh five oh five.
2: Oh, okay. Wow, five oh five, okay.
0: I I wish I was I wish I would have been uh what did you say 40, 408, four oh five? Four oh five. 405, That was
2: my video analysis, yes.
0: Wow. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Hell uh, i weighed i weighed that i weighed that in ninth
2: grade man uh that's what i was also going to ask you did you turn out for wrestling
0: in in high school or sport uh, no, doing I, sports in high school i i just did uh i i played uh football and oh okay. uh, i i, I w- yeah i played uh high school football um and i weighed uh four fifty when i played high school football Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, from ninth I was like uh four four thirty, four forty and uh so yeah I was I have always been big.
2: Oh, you know, okay.
0: That, now did my, you play left- Yeah, I played uh oh, right play. right tackle. Defense. Oh, okay. Defense. Gotta wow. the hole. Boy. Play. Well, bro, I I ran I I was 450 and ran a a 5 flat 40. Whew. Boy. Holy yeah. smokes. What, what who was the
2: next heaviest uh, high schooler on the lo- defensive line with you? Can you remember any uh, of your heaviest teammates?
0: Yes. Uh we had uh a nose guard uh 240 and then we had the uh left tackle was uh six seven two eighty. Holy smokes. And this was in the eighties? Yeah.
2: Boy. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. actually
0: seventy seventy seven freshman year. Oh. Wow. Undefeated. Did you win state yeah. that year? Uh, no I mean that was just uh ninth grade. Uh but we okay. did we did win undefeated. Uh, wow! Yeah, ten and 0, man,
2: ten and 0, uh, Gee, weird. Dude. yeah. Now, yeah, has, man, your they, fo- they, has your oh, football yeah. team has your football team been back to your high school to receive Hall of Fame accolations?
0: No. Mm-mm. Oh, no. Would you sure. like to...
2: On the Turnbuckle Turmoil show to get a a movement started to get your high school football team into the your high school Hall of Fame because we'll get that started if you want.
0: <laughs> no, nah, nah. I'm good. I'm good. Nah. Oh, okay. I, I I still communicate with the left tackle. He he's actually a uh a, he's actually a uh, EMT in Dallas.
2: Oh. EMT? Yeah. Wow, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Boy, that. A... Yeah. now
2: there's a job that has some high pressure in it, EMT. Oh, holy smokes.
0: Yeah. He, he's been there 28 years, man.
2: Wow, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, Solomon, the video said that you were from Pig Knuckles, Kentucky. How <laughs> far is... <laughs>
0: that's How pretty far... good, Dana. Yes.
2: It, it, how far is Pig Knuckles? Uh, where they ru- from? Where they run the Kentucky Derby? And has Pig Knuckles ever had a horse run in the Kentucky Derby?
0: No. Uh, it's probably. Uh... <laughs> they might have had a pig. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, no, it's it's <laughs> probably uh, it's in a holler, you know. You know what a holler is? A
2: holler is kind of like a how would you say a mountain plateau, a veranda, yeah. a kind of a secluded yeah. area.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I'm not sure how far it is, really, to uh, okay. Kentucky dirt. It's a long way oh. if you're in pig knuckles. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> okay. All oh, right. Oh my God. Well, Solomon,
2: before the match started, Bam Bam Terry Gordy entered the ring and called Al Perez a $2 champion. And he also called manager Gary Hart a boy. My question is, do you believe that Bam Bam Terry Gordy was in a bad mood that day because he didn't have his coffee yet?
0: I think he didn't have his Jack Daniels. Oh, oh, okay. Wow. Terry, <laughs> man, what a great guy. What a Was great he guy. known to drink He's Jack probably uh, on a road trip? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was. Oh, my. He, okay. A little he, bit in the he, he, but. You never meet a greater human being, man. Oh,
2: wow, okay. Very good. Yeah. Okay, so you keep in yeah. touch, especially during the holidays?
0: Well you know he passed you know he passed away, right?
2: Uh well, I my I, I, myself wasn't aware of that, no. Boy, that's yeah. okay.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, it's uh yeah, he passed. A, but he was a great guy, man. He he um he, you know, would give you pointers and uh, just help you out, you know, if you needed it. He, it was just great. So, But, yeah, rest in peace. Another great okay. one, Tom. Will Solomon. Now, his after daughter, changing, you know his working. daughter's working, right? I did not know, you know that. Where is she working? Uh, She's doing uh, independent in Japan. Her name is uh, – Miranda Gordy? Oh. Wow, yeah. okay. Yeah.
2: did she inherit.
0: Oh, go ahead. I'll I'll uh, I'll send you her uh photo and stuff. Maybe y'all can contact her. Oh, okay. Maybe for an interview, sure. Did yeah, she
2: yeah. did she herself Inherit some of uh, Terry Gordy's uh, physical attributes like height. Terry uh, Gordy was, went to
0: th- her thick. I I think she. I don't know about height, but her uh, ability to work, yes.
2: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, Solomon, uh, after Bam Bam Gordy said that Al Perez was a $2 champ. Chris Adams got into the ring and reminded Bam Bam that he had beaten him three or four times, and he deserved a shot at the heavyweight title more than Bam Bam. My question is, did you ever wrestle Chris
0: Adams? No. I, I, uh, I worked for him. I never I never okay. worked against him or with him. Okay. Now, what was the incident that Chris Adams
2: was talking about between Terry Gordy and Fritz Von Erich uh, that put Fritz Von Erich in, a, in the hospital?
0: Can you tell us uh, a little think, bit
2: about that incident?
0: Um, <clears throat> Let's see. I, I think what happened uh, – well, they did a. Uh, Fritz came out to give Carrie an award or something, and they uh, handcuffed all of them and uh, beat them like a red-headed stepchild. That's what happened. <laughs> oh
2: boy! Okay. They yeah. used a handcuff. Oh boy! Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah, I don't know if you well, ever had those on you before.
2: Uh handcuffs no. Not in a not in a police setting, not with the police. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, we'll leave that one alone. Oh, okay. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> well Solomon,
2: at the seven minute and forty second mark of the match, Al Perez and body slammed him with ease and with great speed. The, the announcer even commented on that. Hey, look at that uh, That Grundy. He picked up Perez like a plaything. My question is, in 1988, did they have Gold's Gym in Pig Knuckles, Kentucky, where you w- developed your strength?
0: That's my question. No, he, <laughs> no, he's just, just milking cows, man.
2: Ah, milking cows, okay.
0: Yeah. All right. No, no those gems, man. They, you just uh it's just farm work. That's it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Farm work very good. Like a hay bale lifting. Yes. Hay bale. Yeah, that's that's uh mm-hmm. seventy pounds dry and about a hundred and five if they're if it's been raining. Well, yeah Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Solomon, you told
2: Sign Guy that you were tag team champions with Scott Steiner when he was younger and lighter. How was he as mm-hmm. a training partner at the time? Did you ever train with Scott Steiner?
0: No, he I I never I never uh trained with him but uh you know, he he was uh, he was always at the gym though. Uh you know, doing his workouts and he was a good partner. I mean, he just back then. He, uh, I didn't have any complaints with him, you know. Other than um, we were supposed to do um, a tag match against uh, the Stud and uh, somebody else, uh, but he missed the show. So I oh, okay. had to do that, bummer. Yeah. I think I actually went to WCW.
2: <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. Holy smokes. okay, Yeah. Well, well, Solomon, both Sign Guy and myself were at a wrestling event last night in Vaughn, Washington, and Sign Guy himself had referee duties. But to my eye, Sign Guy seemed a little soft. He seemed a step slower. In my eye, Homer Simpson could have looked at sign guy, and he would have said to himself, this guy has never benched 120 pounds. And Homer would have said, I'm going to challenge this jabroni. My question is, who was the toughest referee that you shared the ring with, and did a referee ever challenge you?
0: No, no, no referee ever tells me. uh I'll, I would have to say <laughs> uh, wow. That's a good question. Hmm. You know, uh uh Bronco Lubage was a a well, he was fair but I mean he he would uh he he would knock some sense into you if you needed it. So, Ooh, what was I would that have... name again? Bronco Luvic. Bronco Luvich. Bronco Luvic. He, I think he refereed that match.
2: You, you may be right. I'll have to go back and look at that.
0: Yeah. I remember yeah.
2: the referee looking pretty tough. Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's an old school guy, man. Okay.
2: Well, Solomon, have you ever been to any Cauliflower Alley Club meetings?
0: No, I sure haven't. I'm. I'm. Uh, was invited to go uh, this September. So I'm. I'm okay. trying to arrange that. I'm trying to arrange that now. Okay. Go. Very good. All right. I heard okay. they have uh, some good surprises this year.
2: I also hear that they have a hell of a cribbage tournament.
0: How's your cribbage playing? I never I never played that. But but oh, I, I would okay. play a Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> oh, Wheel
2: of Fortune.
0: Now that yeah. was a
2: that was a very popular show, I believe, that, that got its start in the late eighties. Right.
0: Yeah. Say Jack
2: wow. and Santa White,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: well, man, if you were ever on the wheel of fortune, I could see you spinning the wheel and with your strength, knocking it off the pedestal. That's what I think would happen.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I wish I had that strength now. Oh, you know, you get, well, you get older, you lose it. But that's the way it goes, man.
2: Yes, Sign guy himself is getting a little bit older. That's why I think he can't uh, bench press 130 now. He's stepped back.
0: <laughs> yes. One forward, three We're... back, huh?
2: Yes. Well, Solomon, did you ever have a, a get a call from the Pacific Northwest from Don Owens to come out and wrestle there? when you were getting started and maybe you have a chance to wrestle Billy Jack Haynes or Rip Oliver.
0: No. No. I, I'm I I started here uh and uh I just went to uh I went to Dallas, Tennessee and Kansas City with Bob Bob Geigel.
2: Okay. Okay, you wanted to stick in that Tri-City area near Pig Knuckles.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, close close to it anyway. Now, nah, you know what, I, I wouldn't have cared if he would have called me and I, I, w- I would have went anywhere. You know, you you got to – this business is about traveling and going places uh, that you're uncomfortable and don't know people and, you know, that's just the way the business is.
2: Yes, sometimes strange settings and unfamiliar wrestlers can bring out the best in you.
0: Yes. Yes, yes, that's true. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Well, Solomon, it was a great talking with you. I myself am going to – well, I will not look into getting you into your high school hall of fame because you requested not to for me. And <laughs> But – uh <laughs>
0: I'm going to give it back over to SunGuy. Okay. Yes. Nice talking to you, sir.
1: Yes. Thank you, SunGuy. Thank you, QT. And I could bench at least 135. Easy.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, Solomon, we're down to the last several minutes of the show, and I want to make sure we have ample time for you. If there is anything you would like to say to our listeners today, plug and promote anything and everything you'd like, the social medias, the the appearances the school anything you have going on floor is all yours
0: well i um <clears throat> i may be uh coming out with uh oh well i'm working on it but uh uh a coffee brand and um i uh i don't have any shows coming up or appearances uh i i hope i get to go to uh cauliflower alley this year and um, but mostly um, if I missed a few dates in Mexico that I could have went to but uh, but no I just appreciate y'all giving me uh, a little time on the on the air and I really appreciate it and hope everybody has a safe uh, Father's Day and you know safe from the pandemic and everybody get back to work and just live healthy man
1: Agreed
0: well I want to thank you
1: very very much for taking time out of your day today here on Father's Day to talk with us we appreciate it greatly I always enjoyed watching you following you in the magazines so it was a special treat for us to have you here today and definitely best of luck uh going to cac and as things get more open restarting the school and so forth and we'd love to have you back sometime
0: oh okay anytime man i'll i'll i'm always free so let me know we'll do it again
1: absolutely i would love it
0: fans definitely get on the youtube
1: look up solomon grundy great great professional wrestler legendary name in the Southwest for sure. So look him up, study him, get familiar. Everybody continue to be safe out there. If you have a show near you, go support your local independent professional wrestling. Lots more shows opening up every week. So research, find one near you and get out there and support. We'll be back with you next week, next Friday afternoon. We will be with you with Hillbilly Joe. So make sure you have plans to be with us. We'll be back in a week here on Sunday as well. So everybody tune in and we'll talk to you soon.